Let's keep the letters short. We live in a culture today that lives in the sea of brevity, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And so they're not going to read a treatise that they perhaps would have done hundreds of years ago. All the way from Bukota Village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions, all from the mind of a real-world missionary of almost 20 years. And Bripol, in our day and age, there is so much that is hunting for our attention. There is so much we're trying to read and to put on two times speed, like voice notes. I know that uh, you do that with some of your voice notes. How do missionaries actually write newsletters that people want to read? Over to you, Mfundisi. Missionary newsletters are important, and we see missionary newsletters in Holy Scripture, the New Testament. A lot of Paul's epistles are a kind of missionary newsletter. Sometimes they're called updates. Other times they're called prayer letters. But I really think it is a very important part of the missionary task. When you read the great missionaries of the past, they were writing amazing letters, encouraging people back in home in the churches, praying for them. They would give details of the ministry. It would inform the church back home how to pray for them, how to support them. It is really a time when the missionary informs the believers back home about the details and how they can care for them. Now, as missionaries, I think we need to improve on our writing skills. I've read hundreds of missionary letters throughout the years. Some of them are good. Uh, A few of them are excellent. And sadly, a higher percentage would be pretty bad. Uh, The kind that you wish would end after the first couple sentences. And I would like to help missionaries to think carefully about how to write good missionary letters. Um, I know this is somewhat subjective. I even hesitated writing this for a little while, although it's been in my mind because I wanted to help missionaries improve in this area, but I thought, well, this is somewhat subjective. I mean, I can imagine one person saying, well, I like this kind of letter. And then the other one says, well, I don't like that kind of letter. I like this over here. And I realize that there's no hard and fast rules in scripture that tell us how to write a missionary letter. Although uh, I think missionary Paul's letters are a good example to us. I just want to say in the beginning, before I give some of these marks, I am pro-missionary, so I don't have an axe to grind uh, against Uh, missionaries. I love missionaries. I'm on their team. I'm cheering for them. When I click on their link on my email, I want them to do well, and I pray for them, and I want to respond to them. However, uh, I have read a number where they are thousands of words too long, uh, way too many pictures, uh, giving us details we don't care to know about, uh, carnal-focused, not focused on the most important things that the Apostle Paul would focus with in his missionary prayer letters. So I'd like to give a few marks of what would make a good missionary prayer letter today. As I was listening to you speak, I was thinking of my personal time with the Lord recently, and even this morning going through the book of Acts, and just seeing on the different communication that would go back and forth between Paul and Barnabas and others about the work of the Lord that's going on. And as, you, as you've spoken about, they, they included essential information. Um, but I don't want to get ahead. So could you please start us off with the first one? Well, that's a good point with reading the scriptures. And so we'll just start right there. Let's, let's keep the letters 
short. I would say this for a number of reasons. One would be that a lot of the great missionary letters are short in Scripture. I mean, Jonah's the best Old Testament book on missions. It's just over a thousand words. Uh, the majority of Paul's letters, the great missionary to the Gentiles, are under 2,000 words. And then on top of that, we live in a culture today that lives in the sea of brevity, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And so they're not going to read a treatise that they perhaps would have done um, hundreds of years ago, generations ago. I've had some pastors say to me, when so-and-so's letter comes or such and such kind of letter comes, they just say flatly, I don't even read it. I just straight delete it. Well, as missionaries, we needed to know about that. Now, if you're a better writer, you could make it a little bit longer, but in general, I think the rule should be short. Uh, We don't need to see uh, a dozen pictures of your cute little child with, you know, cake frosting on their face. You put that on Facebook. That's what Facebook is for. We know your mother would love to see that, but the majority of the church really doesn't care to see that kind of thing. Paul's letters were not about him. Um, Paul's letters were not about family, although you can reference family. Paul's letters were about Christ. They were Christ-centered. They were about the church, and it was what God was doing. Often when I go to churches, I will introduce by having one of the men in the congregation reading the last two verses of Acts 14. I think it's so important because I'm telling them why I, why I am with them. And this is also why I write prayer letters. Because at the end of Acts 14, Paul's coming back from his first missionary journey. He's back in Antioch. And he says, I'm here and I'm informing you because I'm telling you about what God has done in our ministry. That's what we need to do. Now, you don't need to preach a sermon. Yes, you can bring scripture to bear. You can ask theological questions. My teammate Seth's done a great job at uh, hyperlinking books that he would recommend. Yeah, make it theological, but keep it, keep it brief. Uh, I would say a good length is one side of a piece of paper. Staples are not needed for good prayer letters in general. Um, keep it brief. Uh, good prayer letters are able to kind of sit nicely in the back of a church. I know a lot of churches... They put up the prayer letters in the back. They put in a little envelope or uh, a clear plastic that people could walk by and read quickly. I would say keep it short would be a good marker. And that's a good one because we were just discussing before starting this that missions isn't something that's on a lot of people's radars. And the pastor and the people who are really interested in it will also be seeking it out. But for most people, They want to hear, but they don't want to be inundated with a lot of information. Otherwise, they'll just do what I do with marketing newsletters and either delete, skip over, read the headline, and it never actually has an impact. You know, we're wired to think that everyone cares about me as much as I care about me, but that's really not human nature. I went back and did kind of a survey of my prayer letters. I've done 137 over the past 17 years, so that's about eight per year, about one every six weeks or so. And I would say I average probably around five to 600 words in the letters that I wrote. And I feel like that's manageable. I put, I do the same thing, just one photo and then 500 words or so, and then it's done. And I'm already struggling to get people to click on it when they have a thousand things on YouTube that they can watch. So I'm trying to help them as much as possible 
to read the letter. And you mentioned about keeping it brief, that it actually helps you write more. Because if you write such a long newsletter, you can only get to one maybe every six months, then people are, you're actually appearing on people's radars even less than that. And there's the prayer aspect. If you send it more often, then they're going to be praying more consistently. But if you send a letter, let's say, once every four months or so, then there's going to be four months of activities that they didn't know about that they're not going to be able to pray for. So I would say better to keep it short and frequent rather than long and infrequent. Yes. Before we go on to the next one, I remember one episode with Buddy Seth. He also lamented over badly written missionary newsletters. And he said that uh, missionaries need to do a good job of uh, writing better. And uh, I, I think I recall him asking, and I would even just ask now that if you're listening to this and you have missionaries who write your newsletters, respond with a word of encouragement and letting them know you're praying. And Buddy Seth said, he tries to reserve a time when he can read so that he can respond and pray through it quickly. And that happens if they're brief. Okay, what's the next one? Let's be humble in our letters. Uh, let's not make ourselves the hero of the letter. I think the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians is a great model of a missionary letter. The fourth Greek word that you find there is servant. And that's how Paul thought of himself. And that's how we should think about ourselves. Paul never gave statistics. Now, Luke sometimes gave statistics, for example, in the book of Acts, but even then they were rounded numbers. So I would be careful about making yourself the hero, uh, forcing numbers too much, and then even asking about money. I can't think of a time that I have personally solicited funds in any of my prayer letters. And George Mueller was very much that way. He trusted in uh, his sovereign God to meet his needs, and he would just pray it through. Now, I'm not saying that you can't reference finances, and I know there's some different perspectives here, and I'm not saying it's wrong to ask for X number for this particular project. Uh, that's often how we inform the churches, to uh, know what the needs are. But careful not to make this the center of your letters. Uh, I don't think Paul, even when he talked about finances, it was, it was very indirect. Never demand, always ask, and sometimes if you just have a simple link, um, it will direct to the, the proper place. And then I would say, uh, beyond being humble, be inspirational. I've said this many times, but I think the best books on missions would be biographies. Uh, biographies are better than missiological books, because missiological books just inform. But biographies not only inform, but they inspire. We read a missionary biography, right? And it, it pushes us to go and to give and to teach and to, to cry and to, and to pray and to do hard things. That's what newsletters should do. They should stir us up. They should galvanize us. They should prod us and prompt us and spur us. Stir us up. And so when people read your letters, they ought to be encouraged. They, uh, the letters ought to point them to Christ and the new birth and, and pointing them to heaven and to hell and to salvation. Newsletters should be didactic. Seth has often mentioned to me, he said, I, I can see a lot of your prayer letters are almost like mini blog posts. And I think that's the case. I definitely want to inform about the ministry, but I'm not hiding at all. I am definitely trying to teach in my 
prayer letters to help the church understand Great Commission work better. Recommend books. Uh, We've had prayer letters about ethical dilemmas that people, we encourage them to respond back. But all the while, keep it short and uh, don't speak down to them and and seek to inspire and encourage them when it comes to uh, missions. Thank you for that one, brother. So we've gone through being economical, being respectful, and being inspirational. And as you mentioned, inspiring people, I relate to the comment you made that missionary biographies are better than books on missiology, because I've often been inspired by books like yours on John Payton and the one my wife and I were recently going through on David Livingston, and you just get a fire in your bones. Okay, what's the next one? Well, in line of that would be make sure that you always include prayer requests in your prayer letters. Paul was always asking the churches for prayer, whether it was the church in Colossae or Thessalonica or Corinth. I include praises at the end, and I found picking out those prayer requests from a big paragraph can be difficult. So I've often found at the end of a letter, just give some brief, concise, detailed, direct, specific, bulleted prayer requests and praises at the end of the newsletter. And then beyond that, I would say, uh, be colorful. Um, Don't rely on exclamation points to get people excited. Use the English language to create word pictures in the minds of your readers. Use metaphors. If one of your disciples was courageous, consider saying something like, he was a ship ballast with iron. Or when you're talking about Morocco, uh, help us to smell the dust in Morocco. Or if you're talking about certain kinds of foods, describe to us the tuna eyeballs that you had to eat in Japan. Or if there was a certain witch doctor that was dancing around uh, in your ministry in Mozambique, help us to see that. Include some quotes uh, from Spurgeon. Uh, put a, a coach's quote in there. Uh, include a funny line from uh, Groucho Marx or a theological perspective from George Whitfield. Have variety. Uh, don't be afraid to throw in a, a word from your particular language group that you're ministering to. That kind of spices it up. I think metaphors are great to have in prayer letters. Jesus was the master at that. Of course, he was, he was always talking about being the light of the world or. Um, the wheat and the tares. Paul talked about running a race. He talked about nursing mothers. He talked about false teachers like springs without water. Uh, He used metaphor. So be colorful in your uh, prayer letters. Tell stories. Now, in line with that, I'm old school. I still send out PDFs. I have a large mailing list that I send it out to. I've thought through the modern methods. I still think my method is superior for a number of reasons, but I understand I'm old school. Most people today use something like MailChimp, and I would encourage you to, to check that out. But whatever method you use, make sure it's pleasing to the eye. Uh, choose pleasant colors to look at. Make sure the date and the title and the author is clear on the prayer letter. Get rid of the uh, all caps and the fire engine red. I think Table Talk Magazine does a great job of this. If you've read Table Talk, and that's the Ministry of Ligonier, they really think carefully about 
the font that they use and the, the colors that they use and the margins that they use and the artwork that they use. And I think they're a good example with this. And then let me just close it off with one more thing. And that is always make sure that you have a spirit of gratitude. Paul said in Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. So thank the churches, thank your supporters, thank them that they're giving you the opportunity to share Christ around the world. Uh, thank them for modeling a, a godly example for you. Thank the churches for being a model of the kind of church that you're, you're seeking to establish. Uh, be careful not to be uh, vitriolic. Uh, don't criticize the culture or individuals uh, in, in that uh, particular ministry that you're a part of. Now, I think you should be honest about the sins that you face. It's not all um, sunshine and rainbows. So you have to be honest about those kind of things. But the, the prayer letter is not a place for chastisement. And you need to realize that with technology today, people are savvy. And even the people, you might be in a very poor context, but they're going to often be able to find out the things that you're writing and locate it online. So if you'd be ashamed for others in your church to see it, you probably um, shouldn't write it. And then, of course, if you're writing from closed countries, you have to be very careful uh, about the details you, you put out, uh, details about names and locations and things like that. You mentioned uh, a couple of um, points in that last uh, section. You mentioned being prayerful. And that reminded me once again of what my wife and I have been going through in family worship, that uh, we've been seeing Moses interceding on behalf of the Israelites and that actually having an effect. And I've just been so struck by that of, of late that we need to have more confidence in the power of prayer. And so I would love to see more prayer requests and more people being galvanized to pray for missions and wondering, often wondering what wonders of God lay behind closed doors that can mm. only be unlocked by prayer. And this is what a lot of churches do. They gather on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, let's say, and they pull out the prayer letters of the missionaries. They might sit in a circle or they might have the pulpit down where the pews are and they hand them... And, and they just have the letters in front of them, and they say, let's pray for the Schleinlein family. And you hand them the prayer letter, and they're going to be able to, they need to see pretty quickly what they need to pray for. And so if you have a nice, tidy, bulleted list of three prayer requests and three praises, boom, they pray for it. But now you have a five-page letter, and mingled in between there, you have this, or I've seen some prayer letters where they, they've, they've literally listed like, 40 prayer requests. Like, who can, who can do that? Um, who, who can pray for 40 things? Uh, especially when a church has a number of missionaries. So I, I would encourage missionaries to make it as easy as possible for your churches to pray for you. Mm. And that goes back to the point about being brief, because if you're only limiting yourself to 450 to 600 words, then you're going to choose the most choice fruit from the tree, and it's going to be more beneficial for people. You also mentioned MailChimp, and I've recently decided to switch to that one because... Because I, you love technology. <laughs> you're exposing me here. Cool. I love tech, and I also do not want to feel like anyone is held bondage to 
the newsletters that I write. On MailChimp, they can easily unsubscribe if they want to. Uh, but who wants to tell the missionary that please stop sending me your emails? So, um, and uh, just the, another- the way I soothe my conscience there is, and I've thought about that. Although I think there is a, is there a way to unsubscribe on emails? You just have to block the person. As far as I know, you can't. You have to tell the person okay. to stop sending me. Yeah. All the people on my mailing list have, at one time or another, signed up. Now I know there can be a change of heart and things happened, but. Uh, at least there I say, okay, they signed up for my letter. They, there was not a gun to their head. They wanted this for a moment. So that's why I keep it that way. Yeah. And on the beauty aspect, once again, family worship, and this is just why it's so important, going through the aspects of the tabernacle and how God often said that things should be designed for beauty and for glory. And Christians can often pay little attention to that. And that's really important. A little, another little anecdote, which I think you'll appreciate. Recently, in language learning, I learned the meaning of kukaratiwa. Uh, and it's to be bothered. Ku to karatiwa, be bothered by um, whatever it is. So kukaratiwa nishido, to be bothered by sin. And I was sharing with my wife that, wait, is that what it means? All this time, I heard karate wa, and I thought it meant to be beaten up by sin, uh, mm. to be karateed by sin. Mm. And <laughs> I thought about including that in the, in the <laughs> next newsletter. Well, that would be colorful. Yeah, yeah. So please close it off for us, brother. Well, I just want to close it off actually by throwing it back at you, and that is... Maybe the best way to learn how to write good prayer letters is by seeing examples. So I would give the the, the first uh, hat tip to my teammate, Seth. I think he does excellent prayer letters. You can go to his website at sonofcarry.com and then just find his update letters. And uh, he, he does a, a good job of telling stories, uh, keeping it short, and focusing on what is most important, which is the church. And then... You're new in the game, the Katunga family, but I think you've done a great job. And um, I've included some of your letters in our own on our own website. So if you were to go to my website at betweentwocultures.com and went to the update letters, some of their letters are actually included in that as well. That, that would give you a good example. Thank you for that, brother. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered in a future podcast. You can email those questions to paulschleyline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds.